Welcome one, welcome all, welcome back to the Bricks on the Wall. I am your host, Juan, aka truth.in.media. Come follow me on Instagram. Man, do I have a banger of a show for y'all today. I still can't believe I got this guy on. I shot my shot and he agreed to be on the show and man, this was a great one. And I'm sure you've heard of this guy. He's been on the internet posting memes, articles, pushing back against the establishment since back in the day, I think Occupy Times. We'll get into it uh, with him. Uh, I've been listening to his podcast. Like I said, I'm sure you've seen the memes. Uh, this guy's always posting fire-ass memes. Let me see if I can just read some really quickly from his uh, site, which I'm sure you heard of. It's known as the Free Thought Project. I'm sure you've seen the memes. These guys are huge. Started way back in the day, I think 2012. These guys were reaching about 50 million people a good in a good week back in the day before censorship took over and all that stuff. So we're going to have Jason Bassler today. Very interesting and fascinating guy. Like I said, he's been on the, in this game forever. And he makes all the memes for Free Thought Project. Um, and he also started a group known as Police the Police, uh, where it's just videos of people recording cops abusing their power and all that. But this was a great conversation. One of the leaders in the game, again, I can't believe we had him on. And we talked for about an hour. And then when we got off uh, the talk, he had his this badass hat, and we were talking about it, laughing about at the end. He, you know how when you go to the store, you'll see like old guys, veterans that they're wearing their hat, you know, that says Vietnam War or Iraq War, or whatever. Well, he had one. It, it looked just like that, but it said. Um, uh, meme war veteran and it was fucking hilarious we we're laughing i was like oh dude that's hilarious where'd you get that hat he said he bought it somewhere online i forgot but he says that when he wears it and he goes to the stores people will actually stop him and be like oh, thank you man thank you for what you do and i'm sure they already know who he is and stuff around where he's from but i i think it's just wonderful and amazing how, how we have these people who have reached these heights who are reaching millions of eyeballs this was before joe rogan you know 50 million people god damn imagine how much Good information was going out, but then again, he talks about how he got censored and they removed him from Facebook, and we get into all that good shit, so it's great, and again, I can't believe we got him on, and this is a great episode, and please share it, guys, like the show, review it, uh, send me some money so I can buy some beer or coffee or um, paper to write and take notes on, you know what it is, guys, if you want to see good shit out, you have to put your... Not only attention, but your dollars. You vote with your dollar. You don't want to keep paying Netflix that's brainwashing and poisoning your mind. Send me a couple bucks so this this, this show can grow. It's already growing. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the response from um, when Jason posts this and shares this with his profiles and his audience. So uh, this is going to be great. So without any further ado, today we have member of Free Thought Project, Jason Bassler. <laughs> Juan, thank you so much for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. And uh, my apologies for the scheduling snafu. I know we've tried to schedule this, I think, two different times. And me and my family, like, basically had the plague for uh, a few months right. there. So my apologies. But we're here. We made it. We made we're doing it. it. And, and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation, brother. Right, right, right. Right before we started recording, we were talking about how strangely around the whole world people were getting sick which to me just amplified or primed more the idea of terrain theory. I'm sure you've heard of terrain theory and germ theory, right? 
Sure. Yeah. 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 In fact, uh, we just talked to uh, Dr. Robert Malone last week. I don't know if you happen to catch that. No, that but podcast, I, I, lo- but, uh, I know that guy. Yeah. 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 Well, he, you know, I don't know if he necessarily fits into that ideological camp of uh, the, you know, no virus theory, but we did have a chance to talk to him about it and hear his opinion, but that definitely seems like a, a theory and an idea that's definitely taken root more in the past couple of years. And I've heard a couple of big names within, uh, I guess you could say the movement, the freedom movement, um, pretty focused on it. So I, I guess, uh, you know, in, in these people's mind and maybe your own, maybe there's something there. Um, I'm no expert, you know, as far as a lot of these uh, theories go. Um, that's exactly why we actually talked to a virologist, you know, Dr. Robert Malone about it and tried to get his take on it. And uh, he made a few points I think maybe were, were legitimate but uh, you know we all have our own opinions so right right, right. Now, to me it just it, I think it, the idea that the body just has to release toxins every once in a while maybe around this time of the year it's just it seems more normal than I don't know because I'm sure have you have you read that study where they've tried to actively transplant germs from one person to another and they could they couldn't get sick no man yeah that's uh that's not really in my wheelhouse or on my radar unfortunately but um i'm always you know willing to to you know look at new information and test my discernment and uh give it a whirl so yeah man right well um uh i'm so yeah, glad send me that send me that link if you get a chance okay, i'd like, we'll, I'd like we'll, to check we'll. it out but the reason i wanted to get you on here brother is because like i said i've seen your work for so long and i love people who are doing the activist and journalism and all that thing to try to get the truth out um, sure. maybe you think there was something in your childhood that got you down this path of being, becoming an activist or can you, can you tell me about that? Sure, brother. Yeah, no, I've, I've certainly uh, spoke about my origin story several times. Um, I would probably say I didn't really have much of a political allegiance or affiliation growing up. You know, my parents just weren't into politics. It's not something we really discussed. Uh, I would say though, that my dad probably was like a freedom oriented hillbilly, you know? So mm. I, I probably got some type of influence from him, you know, griping about the taxes he had to pay or the license he had to get for, you know, doing his uh, business or whatever. So maybe subconsciously there was some, you know, planting of the seeds in that sense. But uh, I, I think maybe it had more to do with the area that I grew up in. You know, I grew up in the Bay Area, Santa Cruz, California, which is, um, it's a very surf skate oriented type of town, a city. Uh, it's known for that. It, it's very popular, uh, surf place, big skateboard scene, also a punk rock scene. And when I was growing up, I have a feeling I'm probably a couple of years older than you, but when I was growing up, uh, punk rock was like a big thing in that city, in that town. And I probably gravitated towards that because I was into skateboarding. And um, I would say Santa Cruz and general had kind of like a counterintuitive counterculture kind of uh anti-authoritarian mm. vibe of course i would say it also leans probably a little bit more on the left like a lot of california cities do probably a little bit more liberal but i didn't know that you know growing up i just knew like pretty much my politics were like republicans are bad that that's basically all i knew right <laughs> so um yeah i i kind of was always involved though within my community um as I said, I was a skateboarder. They were always trying to kick us out of places we were trying to skateboard. So I was always trying to like protest for a public place that we could skateboard and kind of get our our hands dirty, you know, if you will, uh, all do what we wanted to do as teens and have some freedom. 
So I think it probably started there, but as the, the, the skateboarding, the punk rock music kind of started to take hold, a lot of that music was very inspirational and had a lot of um, grounded messaging surrounding freedom, um, anti-authoritarianism. So into my early 20s, uh, right around the time the Iraq war happened, I was living in San Francisco. I was very much involved uh, in the protests that were going on there. I was down in the city almost on a daily basis when the bombing first started. Um, and so after that, I kind of started to take a step back from that world. Uh, I, I got more into music. Uh, I was playing music and bands, did tours, made albums, all that stuff. But I moved out to L.A. And when I was down in L.A., uh, I was going to audio re recording school. But I happened to get an iPad right when they first came out. And I'm probably dating myself here. But I had YouTube. All of a sudden, mm -hmm. anywhere I went, if I went to my friend's house, I went to the library, if I was in my own apartment, whatever it may be. So I all of a sudden had access to information. I had access to videos. And you got to remember, this is like when YouTube actually was decent, right? Like they weren't censoring everybody. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, there was a lot of great information on there that uh, was really helpful for the awakening process. So uh, I did a lot of that i watched a lot of youtube videos i read a lot i was basically um a sponge around that time because i was inspired by the occupy wall street movement as as you had mentioned uh it sounds like you did your homework apparently so um yeah man uh, the occupy wall street movement basically was a catalyst for me to realize that although i am passionate about this stuff i don't really have a grounded ideology of my own like i couldn't tell you if i was a democrat or republican mm. in fact i remember at one point even having to google those things just to kind of understand what the hell was going on so i basically took that catalyst and ran with it i realized that in the age of information ignorance is a choice right mm -hmm. i have this this technology in my hand i can educate myself and that's basically exactly what i did it took about a year and a half to two years before i started making uh, my own Facebook pages, Tumblr accounts, kind of trying to spread more information. And, and uh, right around 2012, I started my my first uh, police accountability page, which was Police the Police, which is still going now to this day, uh, well, 11 years later. And uh, a year later, in 2013, I met Matt Agrist, who is the co-founder and editor-in-chief of the Free Thought Project, and we created the Free Thought Project. And uh, at that point, it was like, we were skyrocketing you know we were reaching a bunch of people uh we were filling this niche for police accountability information government accountability information um and facebook was more or less uh the launch pad for us so i mean we can go into it from you know that point i don't want to be too long-winded here but that's more or less my my origin story how the free thought project got started I love it, brother. Yeah, I was listening also to your podcast that you do, and I like all the other guys. I think there was John, the party guy, who was doing raves and all that cool stuff. Yeah, and, John Vibes. Yeah, man. I want to talk to him. He sounds like a really cool party guy. Um, uh, but yeah, you did Police the Police, which was maybe kind of, you said it kind of started off of that punk rebellion stage, and the cops were probably chasing you off of places, and I guess that just rebellious sure. attitude of why? Why you? Why do you get to make the rules? Who makes you the boss? And I think that's the kind of line of questioning that begins, because for example, for me as a kid what woke me up is I had insomnia and so I would lay in bed just thinking and thinking and I would think about just the randomness thing 
And right before Christmas one night, I started breaking down sad, and I was like, wait a minute. How does, how does <laughs> one fat guy go all around the world <laughs> one night with one bag and do all that? And I was like, no, this can't be. This can't be. And then that kind of extra, I extrapolated from that to break down the Easter bunny, the, the tooth fairy, all that stuff. And then it kind of just grew out from there, like into school. Why are the teachers? Why do they get to make the rules? And just always questioning authority and always like, like you said, you can't be ignorant. You have to be willing to question and wonder, okay, why are things the way that they are and can they be made better? And I think that's the whole freedom spirit movement that we all want. We just want to be free. We don't want to be under the thumb of anybody. And <clears throat> it's really strange how it's we've come to this point now where these big com- conglomerates of corporations are censoring stuff like you were talking about YouTube. I remember back in the day I could you could click on one YouTube video and you could just keep going down and it'll recommend you more videos about the same thing and it was kind of like an education you could actually get real news compared to what the schools or the education system is feeding you which is just narratives that they want to confine you within so that they can essentially control your mind sure yeah man Uh, all great points you know I I would uh, push back just gently though and say you know it's not just this this big tech censorship uh industrial complex as matt taibbi calls it but it, it, it is government as well right and yeah. we've been uh seeing how interwoven that the government's uh involvement has been with a lot of this censorship we haven't seen any specific information uh coming out of facebook and i don't again it sounds like you know a little bit about my history and what we've done but uh i actually did mention in my my past little diatribe here that we lost nearly 6 million fans uh, in 2018 when Facebook and Twitter both took us down at the same time, like within hours of each other. Right. So uh, that was a huge blow for us. You, you mentioned John Vibes. He was one of our writers. Uh, we had to let him go. We had to let go of our whole entire writing staff. We had seven writers. We had three people on our social media team. Basically overnight, we had to let him go. So for me, I'm really looking forward to the time and day when we actually can verify and legitimately say that Facebook has been uh, well, we already know. I mean, even Jen Pazaki, you know, from the Biden administration at one point was saying that they were specifically uh, directing uh, Facebook on how to moderate COVID policies. So we know that's happening, but I guess we don't know to what extent. But uh, more or less, this is something that's being directly influenced by the federal government. And I don't know if the big tech companies in their own right have a lot of incentive. Like, Obviously, there's an argument there that like some, you know, Google obviously is maybe like a DARPA funded DARPA project and people say the same thing about Facebook. And and so maybe there is. But I think ultimately, like they're trying to appease their user base. And so I don't think they like having a lot of this moderation in place. In fact, when the 2016 election happened and Donald Trump uh, won, everybody pointed at Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg like you are the person who made this happen. Like you. You were the one who gave this legs and amplified Donald Trump's message by Facebook, by the, quote, fake news. And Mark Zuckerberg was like, no, you guys are crazy. Like, at first, he completely pushed back at that concept. And I I wish he had kind of stand his ground, stood his ground. Uh, Unfortunately, he did it. And, of course, there's shareholders, you know, money on the line and and millions and billions of dollars. So I'm sure some of his uh, handlers, you know, tapped him on the shoulder and was like, hey, look, Zuck, like, we have to play ball here. We're going to have to figure out some type of moderation process and make it seem legitimate so we don't lose all our advertisers and all these different inter, you know, woven parts that right. come into play through the finances, through you know, a, an organization like Facebook and you know, the, the severity and, and you know, obviously one of the big, they are the biggest and you know, 
at the end of the day, I mean, TikTok's getting up there. Google's definitely uh, one of the bigger players as well. But Facebook is one of the biggest big tech companies there is, you know. So I, I get what you're saying. And um, I just had to add that caveat because, you know, we've been seeing over the past three or four months now that there is a huge government influence. Right, right. I mean, we can also tell on. that Twitter, the FBI was actively t- telling Twitter who to remove and when to remove. Yeah. And they were yeah. actually had calls Sorry. and a whole process of how to make this happen. Like it's tandem. They're working in tandem and you can see it, especially when the whole COVID thing happened. All of a sudden, everyone was lockstep working together, the same message everywhere, the same rhetoric. And it was like, wait, wait, it, y'all guys are in bed. Some, this, is, this doesn't seem normal. It would not yeah. have happened like yeah. this. So let's go back, brother. Okay, let's start when you, when you said you were doing police to police. What was it exactly, maybe? Was it that whole skateboarding rebellious stage that made you want to actually check, make, make sure we have checks and balances on the cops? You know, not really, man. Um, I got messed with by the cops a bit growing up in Santa Cruz, nothing too significant, but it actually started watching the Occupy Wall Street protests and watching police manhandle protesters. And to me, like, I know it, it seems like it's almost commonplace now because we it's almost been normalized through, you know, social media. But for me, when I first saw that, it lit a fire under me. I was like, wait a second, like, these are the people who I've always been told my entire life are supposed to be, you know, quote, protecting and serving us. And here they are, like, not respecting our rights, like initiating, uh, not de-escalating, most of the time escalating, you know, pushing people into corners, corralling protesters, pepper spraying. Uh, I mean, you could go down the list, right? So I realized at that point, I needed to get involved. Mm -hmm. I had to do something. And I basically made an oath to myself that I was going to get involved. I was going to do whatever I could to do to, to share police accountability information. And I, at that same time, I was kind of seeing a bunch of different links, like, you know, cop rapes child and, and all these crazy things, police brutality, police misconduct. Mm-hmm. I mean, police, uh, they drive like maniacs, you know, sometimes they, I mean, there was just one story after another. And I was like, wait a second, like, I need to kind of present and provide an archive for mm-hmm. all these stories where people could kind of see them all in one split, one place, one spot. So that was uh, more or less why I started the Police the Police Facebook page was because I was seeing so much. I didn't even really have a good grasp of my own libertarian ideology when it came to uh, understanding uh, why I was interested in police accountability. I didn't know many of the solutions. I just knew somehow I had to get involved. Somehow I had to amplify all this crazy brutality, uh, misconduct that was going on. And so um, <laughs> I guess I could say I've been successful. In fact, hey, check it out. I'm wearing my cop watch shirt oh, right now. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. But uh, yeah, at one point, man, um, that was one of the pages that got taken down by Facebook. We had uh, 1.9 million followers on Police the Police. And at one point, it was the largest police accountability uh, platform anywhere on the internet. So like we were having the biggest conversation about police accountability and, uh, you know, Facebook who just a couple of years later, white knighted for the black lives matter movement, you know, all, <laughs> all of a sudden they care about police accountability, but two years prior they took us down right. and, uh, Nobody said anything about it. So yeah, man, it's pretty disgusting to see just someone abuse the authority and the power that they have. Just the, the corruption, like you said, when I see corruption, it really like lights up a fire in me. And it's like, why are you doing this? And it's so funny because other people can see the same information and it won't really bother them. 
And I think yeah. it's weird how we're all different. We all have our own predilections of things that we're attracted to or that inspire us or give us passion to actually do something about it. And so Absolutely. when I was listening to, your, listening to your podcast, I found it so interesting how when they did uh, erase y'all from the internet, from Facebook, y'all had a, cumulat a cumulative reaching of about 50 million people in a good week, which is like, wow, 50 million. Like, CNN can't even pull those numbers now. But like, to be, like when you see it, like if you see the picture in your mind, imagine you guys are on the town square, which is the way that y'all describe it, which is what social media now is, is the new town square where people share their ideas. And then to have some type of entity to just come down and take y'all down and say, y'all need to go home, you're not allowed here. It's like, what? I thought this was America. Don't we have the freedom of speech? And it's just weird <laughs> how it's evolved now to this cyber digital front where we even have to fight for our rights on this kind of like invisible new realm that's that they're trying to take control over. Yeah, yeah, man. I guess it kind of blew my mind when I, I made the connection that a, a baseball stadium, you know, like we, we just had a, maybe about a, you know, well, the, the Chase Center, for instance, just got built in San Francisco, right? And I don't know the capacity of that, but most of the time it's around 50,000 or so. Hmm. And so you think of like, okay, like 50,000 people in a stadium seems like a shitload of people, right? right yeah. So yeah, you take a step back and you're like, wow, we were reaching how many? Like 30 million some weeks, 50 million some weeks. Like, And not only that, we were also pulling in thousands of followers, you know, right. like sometimes 30,000 followers a week. You know, right. I mean, it was crazy. And uh, that was the internet golden age. You know, I've already kind of alluded to it with uh, YouTube, but that ended pretty much in like 2016, 2017, shortly after the Trump election. And not to say that there wasn't censorship going on before that, but that's when it escalated to basically where it's at now. And uh, it's been a shit show ever since, man. Yeah, man, it's amazing. Like I said, it seems like now with technology and this digital world, it seems like people are just reinventing or redoing the old scams or ways of controlling people, but just now on this digital front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely happening, man. Well, it's uh, as Robert, Dr. Robert Malone said in our podcast, it's fifth generation warfare, you know, right. we're in the info wars. And unfortunately, you know, half the country, maybe a little bit less, a little bit, maybe a little bit more, doesn't even realize we're in info wars right now. Right. And uh, these people very much know what they do, they're doing. You know, they know how to orchestrate propaganda. They know how to orchestrate outrage. Um, there's a certainly a coordinated media effort through uh, Operation Mockingbird and, and, you know, even since uh, I think that happened in the 50s, you know, I mean, it's only amplified and only escalated since then. And now it's to the point where, yeah, they're moderating our, our speech on the Internet. You use a certain taboo word and the algorithm picks it up and you're flagged and, uh, you know, your your reach is shit. You know, and right, that's right. actually happened to me right now on Instagram. I kind of have the, the censorship blues right now because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I've been I've been working so hard on building my own personal account on Instagram over the past year, and it's like, nope, like now my stories are, are dead, uh, my reach is is shot. So it's frustrating, man. But they're not going to win, you know. And that's the thing. It's like people like myself are dedicated to continuing doing this, and of course, it, it is like a 
a blow to the gut every time you get shadow banned or you have a page deplatformed or whatever. But at the end of the day, it just motivates me more. You know, right. it just makes me that much more enraged and frustrated that I can't actually ex uh, explain myself. I can't actually uh, share my ideas. And so I I've kind of gone off the deep end in that sense. Like, I think I post on like something like 15 or 16 different social media platforms every day now, yeah. just because like, you know, pardon my French, but like, fuck you, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't do, you yes, know, like you're yes. not going to tell me that I can't speak and say the things that I have to say. And so it's going to get out one way or another, whether it's through my Twitter account or even some or more of these like obscure, like MeWe, uh, you know, Gab, Parler, some of the smaller ones. Uh, obviously, some of those had their heyday, but like they're not thriving like some of these mainstream social media right. platforms, you know, and, so. And that's weird. That's the thing, because like you were saying about the golden age of the Internet back then, people weren't like being corralled into these narrow lines of social media where you have to go yeah. through this website. You had you could the Internet was vast and everyone could just it's so weird how people have a hard time typing on a website. You know, they want an app to where it's simple and they can just scroll. But it, the Internet back then, I remember stumble upon was the thing that i kind of do you remember stumble upon it was kind of like a reddit thing yeah it yeah, would yeah, just yeah. Uh, pick different things from the internet and it it was kind of like the inception of how reddit or scrolling was going to be but before on the internet like i said you could go anywhere and, and youtube wasn't censored and all that good stuff so um after you did the police of police um was it how was it growth like you just started posting uh, videos of people uh, the cops doing corrupt things there was that um, links. We started covering a lot of uh, the Free Thought Project stories. I mean, at one point we were putting out six articles a day, man. You know, so like we, at one point we were a legitimate alternative news organization. Uh, the growth was phenomenal, dude. We were providing a a niche. We were filling a niche, and that niche was libertarian flavored police accountability information. Mm. The left had their police accountability you know they were doing some of this in fact cop watch is more of a left-leaning group they were you know picking up video cameras going around to cities doing stuff like that but the ideology wasn't really there so once i kind of had more of a grasp as to some of the solutions that were like more freedom-based libertarian oriented that's when i started making more memes uh, that's when we started making more videos. And, you know, at, at one point, I, I would say this has kind of been dialed down a little bit, but at one point, memes were like steroids for growth and engagement, you know, and, and that's still to a certain degree, but video is more of taking the place. And, uh, you know, some of these social media networks, like I said, have dialed back some of the reach for memes. But at one point, like memes were, you know, they were getting hundreds of thousands of uh reshares i mean it was crazy man like i still have the screenshots i know like people listening to this are like yeah sure bro but like no honestly man like it was insane and people were hungry for this information mm -hmm. they were starving for it you know like we couldn't provide it fast enough couldn't provide enough of it because we were speaking their language and when you are able to articulate people's points of view mm -hmm. and perspectives in an intelligent way you're gonna have success you're gonna have growth Unless, of course, the algorithms and social media sensors come into play. Right. But, and like, I think you're right. You're hitting that nerve of people just, oh, it, it just angers people to see someone abuse and take advantage of people below them. And I think you're right. You were hitting that nail. And I think you're probably even responsible for that whole movement of the sovereign people who were like, take their uh, cameras out and go to cops and just see how the cops don't even know what the law really is. And it's kind of good because it goes to show who who are the people yeah. who are monitoring and supposedly keeping the law at us. Like, right. It, it's like 
there's so many people that cop that are allowed to be cops and they're, they're dumb, they're overweight, they don't know the law. They're like not self-actualized. And again, this whole reason for this podcast sure. is to help people to figure out who they are and become the best possible versions of, of yourself. Like when I'm driving down the street and I see someone who has a pop tire or something and you just see cops drive by like I, I always thought cops became cops because they want to help people you know they want to do the right thing and I know that it's not their job to stop and do that but sure. it's just so weird how cops now I think they even took the protect and serve thing out of their cars didn't they uh I I've heard that, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's as a popular of a, a motto. I think that was kind of like the generic motto mm. uh, across the country at one point. I think there was quite a few departments that kind of picked up that uh, that slogan, and it just doesn't work anymore. Like right. people have moved past believing in in that type of kind of uh, normy kind of low level thinking, you know. But you you did mention um, the sovereign citizen thing there, and there actually is a name for what you were talking about. It's called the First Amendment Auditing, 1A, audit, 1A Auditing, or the First Amendment Auditing Community. And uh, I, I very much, I'm a big supporter of this. And this is a relatively newer phenomenon, right? Like this is something that's only been going on since maybe like 2017, 2018. But uh, as you mentioned, you know, like there's, <laughs> you're talking about rabbit holes earlier, like there's a huge community on YouTube for yeah. this type of uh, niche and yeah, just like you said, they basically challenge the authority of not only police. Like, there's several auditors that even go to like post station, post offices, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. you know, military bases, stuff like that, where it's public space, it's a public land. But unfortunately, these public employees do not realize that a like we pay their paychecks, right? Uh, these are communal spaces. And uh, they also B don't know the laws, so they think that if you're you know standing in front of a post office with a a camera that you're doing something illegal. And and some of these people are even ignorant enough to say like you have to have my consent or permission to film me. And it's like, right. okay, maybe you haven't taken the time to like research learn about this but if you're in a public place like you don't have any expectation of privacy whatsoever you know so yeah, yeah. I, I love seeing there's a full spectrum of different types of auditors some are a little bit more polite some are more a little edgy trying to intimidate people not intimidate but okay i'm doing an interview okay thank you <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry um so yeah man i would very much suggest uh your your audience if they're into watching any type of cop watching or anything like that um and this isn't even necessarily cop watching this is a whole different vein i guess you could say from it but definitely check out people like james freeman um san joaquin valley transparency uh amagatsid press there's there's so many great auditors out there and they've made a killing doing this because as we all know you could actually make some good money yeah. from monetizing on youtube and so these guys have like kind of found that middle ground where it's not like political it's not violent but they're still going out there they're getting millions of views on these videos because like we were saying people like to see those types of interactions engagements you know right, so right, right. uh yeah man these people are getting rich off of basically watching cop watching police and I, I couldn't be any happier about it well not only that i'm sure you know that when they do get arrested under the fake pretenses where the cop gets his ego inflated they can actually uh um 
sue the the city yeah. and get money. So it's fascinating. I, I think it's wonderful we have people taking to the streets, normal everyday people with their cell phones, just showing how people get their ego inflated and think that because they work at a certain building that they're above. Well, they wear now, yeah, they wear a costume, man. You know, yeah. that's what it all comes down to. Yes. You're wearing a costume. costume. You know, you think you have extra rights because you're wearing a costume, and unfortunately, our society is nurtured that type of mentality. You know. Okay. Well. Okay. Good. So that's police. The police guys. Go. Go check out Jason Bassler first. He has his Instagram. He's everywhere. But I'm gonna post his links down below. Um, but again, yeah, the reason I really wanted to have you on is to question you and, and hear a little bit more about Free Thought Project because, like I said, I've seen your posts and your memes are so powerful, bro. I screenshot all of them and I'm like, damn, these guys, like y'all know. You could tell you had writers because the, it's just so simplistic and to the point, and it's just like easily digestible where yes it, it like it, it makes me pump my fist up and be like hell yeah this is what we're supposed <laughs> to be doing guys so tell me tell us about how the inception of free thought project because it was like three guys right uh it was two of us okay. yeah me and me and matt agarist so uh yeah around uh 2013 so it, in about five months we're going to be at the 10-year anniversary which blows my mind but uh we were working, myself and Matt Agris, we were working for uh, another website called Grow Food Not Lawns. Grow Food, yeah, growfoodnotlawns.com. And uh, it was okay, you know, it wasn't quite what we were passionate or interested in, but uh, it was paying the bills. And one day this dude basically didn't show up. Like we were, <laughs> after about two or three weeks, like he stopped responding to us. We were working for him, never ended up paying us. Uh, never heard from him again, but me and myself, uh, myself and Matt Agris, we basically were like, hey, look, like, we don't need to work for this guy anymore. We could do the same exact thing that he was doing, but focus more on government accountability, uh, ending the drug war, some types of uh, conspiracy theory type of stuff. Uh, a bunch of information that kind of was, we were more interested in, I guess you could say. So uh, we launched the free thought project in October of, uh, 2013. And as I said, man, like instantly we had success. Like we were reaching so many people that I think we were, uh, within the 500 top websites in the country, uh, which is insane. I think we were like right below, uh, discovery.com, you know, like the discovery channel or whatever. Yeah. So like we were reaching some huge numbers there for a little while. And, uh, Thankfully, it translated into some financial, um, you know, we were be being making money, we were able to be financially secure. So at that point, we were able to hire a bunch of different writers, as you mentioned, John Vibes, uh, who was kind of in more of like the psychedelic space, the anti-drug war type of stuff, uh, police accountability as well. Um, then we hired uh, this dude named Jay, who is like a geopolitics expert. He has a master's degree. And we basically started assembling this like Avengers team, you know, of, like all these different amazing writers. Some of them reached out to us. Some of them we kind of uh, cherry picked from uh, other organizations who either weren't doing so well or, or whatever. So all of a sudden we had this like dream team of journalists. Uh, we were making amazing uh, videos. We had a killer content creator who was doing some of the video stuff. I, I did a lot of the video stuff myself. I do, uh, nowadays I do all the memes myself, 100%, but at one point we also had somebody helping us with uh, memes. So, dude, we were a powerhouse, man. Like, you know, we were just saying a few minutes ago, like CNN doesn't even reach 50 million a week, you know, and that's basically what was going on. Like myself, a few other different organizations, we had a sister organization called the Anti-Media. Not sure if you're familiar with them. Um, they, we, we were basically 
geniuses at networking. So we were able to more or less network and do share for shares uh, with a bunch of different other Facebook pages that had significant audiences. And uh, it was all organic. Like people were, it wasn't like we were you know, coercing anybody. We weren't even paying for ads or anything, but the growth was through the roof, man. And we slowly but surely started to become the alternative media to the mainstream media. And you would go to some of these Facebook pages of like ABC News or NBC News, and they would be dead. They wouldn't have any likes. They would have any shares. Uh, the, the posts didn't have any engagement, you know? You would go to ours, and there would be hundreds of shares, thousands of shares most of the time, you know, hundreds of comments, thousands of likes, tens of thousands of likes. So we were slowly emerging as this new paradigm of media. And of course, they had to pull the carpet out from underneath of us. And when they did that, they basically flipped everything on, on its head. And so now if you go to any of these Facebook pages, they're getting preferential treatment. They're getting pushed by the algorithms into people's news feeds. So now they have hundreds of thousands of likes, thousands of shares, thousands of comments. So that was never the way it was organically back in our heyday, you know, between I would say 2014 and 2018. So uh, yeah, man, it's, you know, it's, it's been devastating on multiple levels, you know, trying to you know, obviously pick up the pieces, trying to, uh, you know, do this without the staff that we once had, but also just realizing how big of a influence and presence we once had on the internet. And they basically took that all away from us. Yeah, man, it's so sad and disheartening because like I said, you're, you're a speaker and then you have these people come down and take down your sign and stuff. It's just, it makes me think of how Jesus was at the church and he was like, he was angry, but because they were selling at his house and there's proper ways to do things. But when you're silencing people, I'm sure you know this, but the the best answer to um, what's it called? To sen it's not censorship. It's more ideas. The more that people talk, the more that people have time to articulate ideas. For example, yesterday I was on Xbox, and uh, this this guy he put a post that he wanted to argue, uh, not argue, he wanted to debate people um, about politics. And so we hopped on and we started throwing back and forth, talking about uh, Trump and Biden. And like I said, I'm not for left or right. I don't really trust politicians. I think we need to evolve into a new form of governance, but. It's weird how when we first started talking, we were so heated. We were like hating and yelling at each other. We're cutting each other off. But eventually, we got to a space where we could talk. And I gave him space to talk. He gave me space to talk. And we're actually having a conversation. And you can't do this on CNN or where everything's controlled by advertisements. It's like there's no real free speech. And we have to move into this digital realm where you have all the time available in the world to actually talk about one subject and talk it out completely and not just be like, okay, we'll come back on a commercial and you break the whole rhythm of the talk. And it's like, like I said, there, with this technology that we have, we have the power to, I don't know, to reinvigorate the Declaration of Independence or just to, there has to be a new way where people, I don't know, what is your idea of people being able to, to vote on their phone, like direct, directly? Uh, I'm not a big proponent of voting in general. You know, I'm not a big <laughs> proponent right. of uh, elections or, or government in the first right. place. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, there's that. But honestly, man, like I, I'm really happy to hear it. I appreciate you sharing that story with me that you guys were able to kind of give each other some space and actually hear each other out because I feel like it's always the opposite where it's like, no, like our egos clashed. Like we couldn't actually hear each other. Like it was just constant conflict and then you know like we rage quit and that was it you know and it's like no like we have to have this intellectual integrity like we have to have this sense of like we we need to figure this out we have to have these good faith 
kind of arguments or debates, I guess you could say, and conversations or else we're never going to get anywhere. And unfortunately, people are so polarized right now. They're so tribalistic that the ego dictates, you know, their, their behavior, their actions. And a lot of times that doesn't allow for logical, rational, cordial conversations, you know. So, Jason, um, I love your posts and everything. Like I said, your memes are so badass. Sometimes I'll see your memes. They're, they're so, like, you can tell they've been screenshotted so much that they're fading. And I'm like, hell yeah. They're <laughs> <Sure. laughs> in those memes forever. But um, if you had the power, Jason, to maybe just change politics, or what would your idea be of a betterment of society, of how things could run where where people wouldn't have, or the, wouldn't have the power and let it get to their brain and then just abuse it and corrupt and all that? Sure, sure, brother. Yeah, well... As I said, I've been in this world for a while now, and uh, I'm a digger, you know, like I, I want to get to the bottom of things. Like I want to understand why they are. I want to understand how they work. Um, I, I want the blueprints and roadmap to a better society. So this is a question that I've thought a lot about. And in my opinion, the culprit every single time to 99.8% of all societal ills is the state, is government. So if you take that into account and you look at basically the essence of what government is, government enforces its laws with violence, as we were just talking about, with police, right, by strong arm protectors. Every law on the books is enforced with violence. How does government fund itself? It funds itself through taxation. I'm sure we all have heard that you know, slogan on the internet, taxation is theft. Well, it's not just a clever slogan. It's actually 100% true. Because if you're not consenting to the extraction of your production, then it's theft. And you can't say, well, if they extract just 15% of my production, of my wealth, then that's reasonable. There isn't any line there in the sand that you could say it isn't theft. If I'm not consenting to... Uh, a, a body of people, a, a, a state to extract that money from me, then it's theft. So I believe we could do much better. I believe that we don't need to have violence as the backbone of society. I believe, and here's a, a word that I want you and maybe your audience to get familiar with, it's voluntarism. And maybe you even heard it before, but that is the pathway out of this. Mm. This That is the blueprints away from statism and authoritarianism and basically voluntarism is more or less all interactions and transactions in society should be voluntary so nobody should have any moral legal ethical right to force you to do things that you do not want to do you do not want to participate in including vaccinations including taxation uh, including conscription uh, all these types of things that the government basically claims the right through their their legal monopoly, their claimed legal monopoly of violence. So uh, there's no other entity in society other than the state that claims a legal monopoly on violence. So that means they say that they could actually initiate violence on us to enforce their laws. And to me and my understanding and my ideology and through my research, if I haven't signed a contract with these people, then they have no legal or moral right to violate my rights to uh, violate my body bodily autonomy or uh, initiate violence on me in any way 
Wow, so. that's a great answer, and I wholeheartedly agree. However, maybe I'll push back a little. What do you think about the idea that there should be regulations and life for companies or certain people not to take advantage of others? Sure, man. Yeah, I believe that is absolutely important, and I believe in a free market, those types of services would emerge because people find them valuable. So instead of having a monopoly that could be corrupted through lobbying and, and corruption, uh, I would say that we would rather would be more beneficial and advantageous for us would be to have a market, different competing regulatory firms. And even now within, you know, the age of information with all the reviews, all the information that we have at our fingertips, me and you in our neighborhoods and our communities could come to the conclusion as to who the best firm would be to fill that type of specific service for us. Mm -hmm. So until there's an option, where we could take our money to other types of firms and businesses who are providing these types of services, we're never going to have uh, legitimate service because at the end of the day, as we see with FDA, uh, as we see with the CDC, they have all the incentive in the world to be bribed by these lobbyists. Mm-hmm. That's why we see these drugs approved overnight sometimes. That's why we see fast track vaccines because guess what? They're going to get paid off. They're going to get pushed through and then Five years later, we're going to see commercials on the TV saying, if you've been injured by this drug, please call this law firm. So there's no incentive by the government, by a monopolistic entity like the government, to actually provide beneficial results that yield, uh, you know, I guess, advantageous qualities to the community. Yeah, I agree and all that, but but now I think it seems so hard. I think everything needs to be restructured and relooked at because we have these big corporations that don't let the small mom and pop shop actually grow up and get some type of uh, uh, a, a following because they have the power to just shut down companies by lowering their prices because they can take the hit because they're enormous. So what would you say about that? Um, would there be have some type of way to relook or restructure corporations? Well, right now, if, if you think about it, corporations have an advantage in the marketplace because of the state, because of the government, right? They have special tax loops. They have special tax breaks. They have advantages. They have subsidies. Um, that We could go down the line of all the different benefits that government provides to corporations that create that barrier to entry for small businesses, for small mom and pop stores. And that's why we're still seeing the consolidation of corporations uh, continuing to take up more and more real estate within our towns and cities because this is all interwoven. And I don't want you to make the mistake by hearing me say this stuff that I just want to give corporations a free pass. No, what I want to stop is the cronyism, Mm. which is the government and the corporations working working together to give themselves special advantages. So you take government out of that equation, all of a sudden these corporations have to compete Mm. with each other. They have to provide value to the community or they're gonna go out of business. So the game changer is the gun in the room and the gun in the room is always government. So we take that out of the equation, then the market is the answer. We don't have to reformulate anything. There's nothing that the market can't do that government does right now without being more efficient, more effective, and ultimately more moral because we're doing it voluntarily with each other. We're not being forced into these, you know, take take my money and do the roads. And then, you know, there's potholes all over the roads, right? Well, it's like, we're giving money to this giant pool to the state and we're hoping and crossing our fingers that they're gonna allocate it 
correctly, efficiently, effectively, but they never do. They always squander it. So in my mind, the market, the free market is the solution. I love it. You're right. I completely agree. And and it takes work, like you said, volunteerism. And I think we become handicapped and just dependent on these systems of going to the grocery store and just dropping off our kids at our school. And it, it's going to take work. Like you said, we have to remove government. Like before, when I was younger, I would think, how are we going to take down the new world order? What plans do we need to do? And it, it's just essentially what you just said. I've thought about it, too. It's just walk away, create your own community, create your own group of people that you can depend on. And you don't have to depend on hospitals or on cops. It's just you create a strong Strong community of people that are willing to like basically die for each other. Earlier, when you were talking about taxes, it reminded me of the Tea Party tax. Whenever they they got upset over a two percent tax, they started uh, rebelling and fighting and really making things a big scene for two percent. Yet people now are paying who knows how much percent of their taxes, and they don't care. It's just as long as Netflix works, as long as I have a roof over my head, or well, not even a roof over my head. There's homeless people out there with cell phones. You know, it's just like people have become so complacent and lazy, and it's just like we need to go back to that type, to the world where we made it, we carved our own path, we grew our own food, we weren't depending on all these different systems that are basically poisoning us. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't disagree with that at all, man. I, I, I do. Um... I do think the market has its place, though, and I'm very much a proponent of agorism, which is more or less what you're talking about, you know, these parallel economies um, and, you know, p taking back our own power, growing our own food, uh, counter economies, barter, you know, through uh, crypto and gray markets, black markets, all these things like they're they're certainly important. But I don't know if everybody has those types of skill sets or wants to right. live that type of lifestyle. So I do think, again, that the market is advantageous because time preference, uh, the division of labor, there's certain things that I'm not going to be proficient at where my neighbor might be. And if that's something that they've made a career out of, I'd probably be better off trading some of my money for them to provide that service rather than trying to learn after five years all the different intricacies of being an expert of whatever they're doing you know what i mean so i hear what you're saying and i very much appreciate and agree with that but i don't know if that necessarily is going to resonate with everyone so taking a step back from that again the market provides you know and there, there's not much that the market can't provide you know and uh you know, I'm not going to say it's completely bulletproof or perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better of a system uh, as far as in my mind. And, you know, I've, I've studied Austrian economics and I, I, I do the police accountability work. I mean, there's a lot to the equation. And I know this is a, a big spoonful here, but the free market, man, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the way to go. Yeah, man, it's amazing. Like you said, it's like a nothing will ever be perfect. Humans are messy. There's always things that occur, sure. and we got to figure out how to navigate these waters. And it's just amazing. Like we have this community of people who it seems like it's grown exponentially. Even like I noticed right before COVID, like the whole Hong Kong protest. It seems like the whole world again was ready to like push back, like the Occupy yeah. movement back in the day. And then all of a sudden, conveniently, COVID comes and makes us go into our houses. But yet again, people are coming out now more with more vigor. Like, dude, you took two years of my life. Like yeah it's time to change and i think it's a bittersweet thing that happened and i think it's gonna happen like you said earlier when you were saying you can't hide truth when you were saying that i had the image of like in cartoons you know when a pipe burst and they'll put a piece of gum to like keep the water from leaking and then the water starts leaking off of somewhere else and you try to cover that hole but eventually somehow it has to come out and i think sure. it's beautiful and 
I don't know, I, sometimes I start thinking, what if we actually get to the point where we actually have some type of voice and power to like actually push back against the dominators and they pull something even crazier. I don't know what you think about Project Bluebeam and all that weird woo-woo stuff, but I just, I think that it's always, humanity has always been at the struggle of the controllers and the, uh, the people who are oppressed. And it's just like, how do we find that balance? That's a great question, man. Yeah, well, they certainly have incentive to manipulate us, you know, and uh, we always talk about they, you know, mm -hmm. but there certainly is a they and they have incentive, man. If you think about it, like even just the, the U.S. government itself is like a trillion dollar money machine, you know, so and more than that, obviously, but there's incentive to control the levers of power, right? So no matter what, they're going to have some type of game plan as to how to manipulate us, how to orchestrate confusion, outrage, of course, divide and conquer. That's one of the most important tools in their bag. So how do we combat that? Well, we keep doing what we're doing as far as sharing information. That's why they've come down so hard with the censorship. They wouldn't censor us if, 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 if it wasn't true, mm -hmm. right? So like there's incentive for them to put the brakes on, to clamp down on us. And ultimately, man, like we're winning, like we're winning the information war. And, and again, they have this trillion dollar war machine, you know, like they have all the resources at their disposal, but we're the hive mind of the internet. We're winning. They can't stop the memes. They can't stop people from realizing and recognizing all these different psyops that are going on, all the different type of uh, manipulation through the media. And, you know, COVID, we were just talking about COVID. COVID was actually in many ways a, a wonderful thing for the truth community and for the truth movement because it motivated and activated a lot of people. And I think that was a silver lining. I don't know if the establishment necessarily realized that was going to happen, but there was like a whole new wave of medical freedom activists mm -hmm. that almost kind of took over the whole internet and okay. social media. And even so much so that like people like myself who've been a veteran within this for years, like I'm, I'm barely able to keep my head above the water because there's all, all these other influencers and activists and shit who have like kind of taken over the space. And, I'm happy about it at the end of the day. Like sometimes it's difficult financially for me, but at the end of the day, like that's what we were here to do right. was to plant seeds, to get more people in our corner talking about these issues. So we're winning the information war, man. There's nothing they could do to stop us. Once they try to take us down, deplatform us, the market once again comes into action. Another social media pops up, another platform pops up. They can't stop us. Even when they try to take down our servers like they did with Parler, guess what, man? Like people are gonna decentralize get away from the servers, you know, and, and build their own servers. And so web 3.0 is coming, crypto is already here. And, you know, obviously that's a bit volatile, but the solutions are here. We just have to start utilizing them and we need to spread the word, not only spread the word, but it, spread the word as to why it's beneficial for people's lives to start utilizing these things. Yeah, man. See, I love when people talk like that. It's so beautiful. It almost brings a tear to my eye. And yeah, you're right. And um, I just want to share this quote by Terrence McKenna, who I love. I love repeating this quote. He says, we have the money, the power, the medical understanding, the scientific know-how, the love and the community to produce a kind of human paradise. But we are led by the least among us the least intelligent, the least noble, the least visionary. 
We are, fe- we are led by the least among us, and we do not fight back against these dehumanizing values that are handed down to us as control icons. And like, wow, that's it, man. We do have the tools. Like you said, we have the potential, and it's just people have to get up, do volunteerism, work, talk to your neighbors, actually put in the work. Don't just like expect things to be handed down to you, which yeah. is why we're at the position that we are now. And I have to commend you, brother, because the reason I wanted to have you on is because I truly feel you were one of the first progenitors of this type of activism online. And this is the new battlefield, essentially. This is war has evolved to not just being in the jungles or whatever. It's now online, too. And yeah, it's, it's awesome, brother. So um, any, any, what are the upcoming plans? Anything y'all have coming up that people maybe should take a look at? Yeah, man. Um, just one word on that, though. It is so important to empower ourselves, you know, and the tools are here in the age of information. Ignorance is a choice. Take the time. Self-initiate. Learn. Educate yourself. There's nothing more powerful than self-education. Now is the time. Now is the time we need people speaking out about this. Now is the time we need people standing up, not only just in the streets, but online, because that's where the war of information is going on. So, yes, and, and that, and I would say the final caveat on that is embrace intellectual integrity. Embrace integrity. Embrace your principles, non-aggression, property rights, self-ownership. These things are so important. You embrace those and you live by your principles, you're going to feel a sense of confidence that empowers you just as much as your education just did. So it's important that we live by our values and we motivate and inspire others to do the same. So I would say that's uh, certainly important. And uh, as far as big projects coming up, um, you know, it's hard enough just to kind of do the news media uh, thing because we're still kind of in the news world with the Free Thought Project. We still put out two to three articles a day. Uh, but we do have a children's book coming out, Ooh. teaching kids their rights. Uh, as I you know, mentioned several times, police accountability, teaching people their rights is something I'm very passionate about, especially the youth. So that should be dropping within the next month or so. We've been working on it for a really long time. We've fine-tuned everything. We have the publisher working on some of the final steps right now. So keep an eye out for that. And how can and, people, uh, when will people know about that? You'll be posting about it, I'm sure. Yeah, it'll be all over my social media, for sure. But uh, yeah, so uh, littlefreethinkers.com. It's not quite up yet, but that will be uh, coming out within the next month or so. Uh, We're still fine-tuning the the website as well, but definitely check that out. And uh, man, you know, I just, (laughs) I spread myself so thin in this world. I'm still trying to do this full-time. I'm not making a lot of money doing it. At one point, we were doing okay. Um, but right now I, I just have so many projects, the free thought project, uh, I'm doing TFTP news now, which is like an offshoot on Instagram, which is posting the articles every day. I'm still doing the police accountability stuff with police, the police. I'm also posting my own tweets on Instagram. Like I'm just trying to basically spread the net as far and wide as I can, because I won't be deplatformed again. And this is what I'm passionate about, man. So I'm going to continue doing this work. Oh, I love it, brother. I can already tell, like, in the, when we read the history books of the future, you're going to be one of the guys, Free Thought Project, that <laughs> fucking led the path toward this fucking just human spirit and freedom. And this is what we're here for. I mean, uh, maybe we can end really quick about your ideas of spirituality, because upon going through this whole game, I find that at the end of the rabbit hole, it's all really spirituality and reconnecting with God and family and beauty and all these awesome principles that are here and that God made for us and that they're being taken away and even made to look at look at as if masculinity or a family are wrong. Like, what's going on with the world right now? What is your idea about spirituality and how this ties into all of this? 
I certainly think that's one of the most important things that we need to tap into as conscious human beings. But there's a reason why they're trying to push us and hurt us into being these weak individuals that are confused about our gender, confused about our diet, confused about our sexuality, confused about all these different things because weak people are easier to control. So the more that you know yourself, you know, that, that old quote, know thyself, that is a revolutionary act in this day and age. If you know yourself, if you're in control of this, then you're going to be a powerful opponent to the rule the ruling class and the establishment. So, but that isn't just the mind that we have to master, right? Like we also have to master our impulses. We also have to master uh, things that might be desirable, but not necessarily healthy for us. You know, like there are certain things that have been normalized in this society that aren't healthy for us. And we have to take a step back and look at those things, recognize what they are. And of course, that could be different for each person. But for me, I, I'm all about clean eating, living healthy, about spending time outside, spending time with my kids, peaceful parenting, unschooling, the partner, the, the partnership parenting paradigm. These things are absolutely critical. But it's more than that. Meditating, journaling, get your mind right. You get your mind right, you're going to be able to see things. You're going to be able to see through their psyops. You're going to be able to see opportunities, future endeavors that are going to be beneficial to you. And again, you're going to be inspiring people around you that don't have these types of qualities or skills so far. But that this is the game, man, because they're trying to create a nation of weak people. And we can't allow that. We have to we have to work out, we have to exercise, we have to be mindful about all these things because at the end of the day, it's not just a spiritual war, it's a war for our minds. And it may eventually someday come down to a physical war as well. If that happens to be the case, that's not what I ever want within this country. I don't want a civil war, I don't want conflict with the government, I'd rather change hearts and minds. But eventually someday that might come to it. So be armed, be prepared own an AR-15, even if you don't plan to ever use it, be proficient with it, go to the, the shooting range, learn how to defend yourself, train. I mean, all these things are so important. And as you said, man, they're, they're kind of being bred out of us. So we have to embrace the masculinity. We have to embrace uh, the, the power that's inside of us. So I could certainly ramble, man. Don't get me started. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, I think more or less that's kind of where we need to go. No, yeah, brother. That just it reminds me of this quote that I often uh, repeat in something like this. It's like an old metaphor, an old tale. It's um, a student said to his master, you teach me fighting, but you talk about peace. How do you reconcile the two? And to which the master replied, it is better to be a warrior in a garden than to be a gardener in a war. So it just reminds me of that whole balance. You have to be able to fight. But you have to also be able to to be tender and care and grow plants and like it's all balance, not just go sure. toward all one side or the other. It's like learn how to how to walk the narrow path. And I love it, brother. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah, it sounds like you get it, man. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking with you today. I know I get a little um, intense. I yeah, guess I you could it. say I get a little activated when I, I talk it. about these things. I can't help it. Like I'm passionate about this shit. And um, I, I want to see a better world for my, my kids, for your kids, our families, and just uh, for humanity in general. Uh, we're going, we're working for it, brother. Thank you again for joining us, guys. Please go check out his, his stuff. I'm sure you've already seen it. He's all over the internet. Um, 
hopefully we'll do this again sometime, brother. And uh, let me know when your book comes out. I'm sure I'll know. I'll be posting it everywhere, too. And uh, have you heard of the Toodle Twins? The Toodle Twins, absolutely, yeah. yeah. That's uh, one of the people that inspired us to do this. That's awesome. Y'all guys go check out the Toodle Twins. Uh, I'll put a link also. They're books for kids that kind of teach this type of way, but uh, uh, that's palpable for kids. But um, thank you again, Jason. Uh, we love you, brother, and keep on fighting the good fight. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me on. All right, guys. So that was Jason. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys. That was our conversation with Jason. Man, that guy's fucking awesome. Um, I, I, I love it that there's people out there doing that. And he's like uh, one of the leaders. He's been in the trenches forever. And while we were talking, I kept being reminded, you know, I'm always thinking about what to end the show with. And I hope you guys like that. I do it for y'all. This is things that I've collected and put in my little bag of knowledge. And I want to share with all of y'all. And you can also find, I don't really talk about this, but I need to promote it more. I created a playlist of over 300 videos that hold the potential to wake people up. Or, or even to inform us who are in the game. But um, you can find it. I, I need to create a link tree. But if you go through my Instagram, I post it often. You'll see a QR code. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put it in the show notes down below. It'll be under speeches link down below. And there's a bunch of awesome videos. But one of the videos that I've added on there, it's called The Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace, which is basically something that uh, John, John Perry Barlow wrote. And he talked about this actually at the World Economic Forum, which I found a little weird. But, but the speech itself is very powerful because it's the Declaration of Independence for cyberspace, basically telling the world or any authoritarian entity that wants to control or monitor the Internet that the Internet should be free, just like America. It, it should be a place where people have the right of sp to, to speak their minds freely and, don't have, and can't be or shouldn't be censored and, and demonetized or removed because the ideas don't jive with the narrative that's being pushed by the dominators. So I, I just want to share this. It's actually nine and a half minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'll play about four or five minutes of it. But then I'll put the link uh, down below as well. So I hope you like the show, guys. Remember, uh, like it, share it, put a review. Because if we're not growing, we're dying. And what's the purpose of doing this if we're not reaching more hearts and minds and helping people, you know, to just walk away from the new world order and escape the matrix? So without any further ado, as we end the show, this is the Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace written by John Perry Barlow. Um, it's not going to be the whole thing, so I'm going to cut it off abruptly somewhere in the middle, whenever my heart feels like it, and then you go check out the whole thing because it's awesome. It's very powerful. So remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. Declaration of the Independence of Cyberspace as written by John Perry Barlow at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland on February 8th, 1996. Governments of the industrial world, you weary giants of flesh and steel, I come from cyberspace, the new home of mind. On behalf of the future, I ask you of the past to leave us alone. You are not welcome among us. You have no sovereignty where we gather. We have no elected government, nor are we likely to have one, so I address you with no greater authority than that with which liberty itself always speaks.
I declare the global social space we are building to be naturally independent of the tyrannies you seek to impose on us. You have no moral right to rule us, nor do you possess any methods of enforcement we have true reason to fear. Governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. You have neither solicited nor received ours. We did not invite you. You do not know us, nor do you know our world. Cyberspace does not lie within your borders. Do not think that you can build it as though it were a public works project. You cannot. It is an act of nature, and it grows itself through our collective actions. You have not engaged in our great and gathering conversation, nor did you create the wealth of our marketplaces. You do not know our culture, our ethics, or the unwritten codes that already provide our society more order than could be obtained by any of your external impositions. You claim there are problems among us that you need to solve. You use this claim as an excuse to invade our precincts. Many of these problems don't exist. Where there are real conflicts, where there are wrongs, we will identify them and address them by our means. We are forming our own social contract. This governance will arise according to the conditions of our world, not yours. Our world is different. Cyberspace consists of transactions, relationships, and thought itself, arrayed like a standing wave in the web of our communications. Ours is a world that is both everywhere and nowhere but it is not where bodies live. We are creating a world that all may enter without privilege or prejudice accorded by race, economic power, military force, or station of birth. We are creating a world where anyone, anywhere, may express his or her beliefs no matter how singular without fear of being coerced into silence or conformity. Your legal concepts of property, expression, identity, movement, and context do not apply to us. They are based on matter. There is no matter here. Our identities have no bodies, so unlike you, we cannot obtain order by physical coercion. We believe that from ethics, enlightened self-interest, and the common wheel, our governance will emerge. Our identities may be distributed across many of your jurisdictions. The only law that all of our constituent cultures would generally recognize is the golden rule. We hope 
we will be able to build our particular solutions on that basis. But we cannot accept the solutions you are attempting to impose. In the United States, you have today created a law, the Telecommunications Reform Act. All right, that's pretty good about right there, guys. Y'all go check out the whole thing down below. I will add it in the link as the Declaration of Independence for Cyberspace. Peace.